I definitely like, yeah, have leaned into my what makes me different. And I love myself. And I love talking about it to anyone. Because also, the more I get to talk about it, people might be listening and learning things that they've never thought about before. Hey everybody, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 210 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. Today, I am so amped to bring you my conversation with Nikki Hiltz. They are a professional runner and have a massive announcement recently joining Lululemon as their newest global ambassador. I'm catching up with Nikki today for the show. They're telling us all about how that came together and how meaningful it is to them finally having a sponsor that supports their next move. Nikki tells us about how they went for many months without a sponsor and did a fundraiser of sorts selling track club t-shirts of which all of the proceeds went to fund their season. Now you may notice that I am using the pronouns they, them, there, and that is because Nikki is transgender. They came out in 2021 and we talk about what that was like for them last year. Nikki came out for the first time as gay in 2016 and they talk about how the two experiences were drastically different. The first time that journey a lot more supported, excited, feeling super accepted. Whereas last year coming out really felt as though it affected their performance and had some truly difficult mental repercussions as well. Really, really excited for this conversation. Grateful for Nikki's openness, vulnerability, They have so many great takeaways for anyone else who may be in a place where they are confronting either coming out or their gender expression and identity. And I think one of my favorite questions that I ask Nikki in today's episode is how they feel about this being a topic that they speak on so frequently. I bring up the example of Scout Bassett, a Paralympian who was recently on the show and how Clearly, that is one of the things that she talks about so much in her interviews. So bringing that full circle to Nikki's circumstance, they get real with me about what it feels like to talk so openly about this specific topic all of the time. Again, huge, huge congrats to Nikki on this new partnership, global ambassador for Lululemon, such a major deal. So excited to see what you do next. Make sure you are subscribed to the Weekly Hurdle newsletter. And if you want to interact with fellow hurdlers in the community, we've got an awesome Facebook group for you to do just that. The link to join in is in the show notes. And last but not least, if you have not yet rated and reviewed the show, it would mean the world to me. Do it in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 
tell them why you love being a hurdler. One last little bit of housekeeping here. I am excited to announce that I am going to be in Eugene, Oregon for the World Championships of Track and Field this coming July. I've got more details, more info coming to you ASAP. But if you are going to be there, I want to know. Feel free to shoot the hurdle account, a DM over at Hurdle Podcast. I'm over at Emily Abadi. I am so excited to post up for the week and to interact with all of you who may be there. I-R-L. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Nikki Hiltz. They're a professional distance runner and the CEO of the Pride 5K, which, how are you feeling right now? Because it's kind of a big day for the Pride 5K. It is. It's literally like five minutes ago we opened registration. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Is it going bonkers? Um, I put my phone on do not disturb and, you know, I'm just going to let that last year. I remember I opened it and then I just went for a run. Cause I'm like, I don't even want to know. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I want to know if there's like issues logging in, like just don't ignorance is bliss. Just, you know. Well, I have good news. I went to go check it out. I realized in doing so, and maybe you can answer a question that someone listening to this show has the same question. If you are running the Pride 5K virtually, which kudos to you, this is the first year that you're having an in-person event as well. Super exciting on that. But if you're running it virtually, do you have to run it on October 2nd? That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, we have it set up that way. That's kind of how we've done it the past two years is um, on that day, like everyone comes together and and runs and posts about it just so it's one big, exciting day. Um, But I mean, we we have played around with like making it a week or like, um, yeah, you have a week or 10 days to run it. But yeah, I think we're sticking to the just one day, just full send it. Everyone from around the world collectively is going to do on the same day. So yeah. I love this. The only reason I ask is because I'm probably one of the few people listening to this right now that may be running the London Marathon. So can I do like a double dip here? <laughs> Stop. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you're running a marathon, there's tons of 5Ks within a marathon. So Totally counts. Yeah. Totally counts. <laughs> <laughs> totally counts. Okay. Good to know. I will register as soon as we get off of this podcast. So tell okay. us, why does the F- Pride 5K mean so much to you? Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like it's so fresh in my mind because we've been like making all this content for it. But it just, um, it was just this idea that uh, me and a couple of friends had like back in 2020 when the world shut down. And it was just like, it's so crazy to look back and think about like, we're like, yeah, we'll just put on a race. Like, you know, um, it's quarantine, people are getting into running, like, I really want to raise money um, for the Trevor project, like, we'll just do it and see, see what happens. And it's so wild to look back now of like, it just like, we were messing around in my garage in San Diego, and like, that we were making shirts and stuff. And we we made that's where we designed the first Pride 5k shirt. It's just like, so crazy to think like, even that first summer, we had nearly 2000 people sign up. And it was like, what is going on? Like this? Oh, this is a thing. You know, <laughs> people want it. People are excited about this, want to do it. And so um, and then obviously, the past few years, it's been virtual. And I feel like we've created this community of like, like, I have 
have friendships from this. Like the first year, four people came out. Um, and the next year I was like, okay, I want to talk to these people. And so we did podcasts with them and I like formed these relationships with them, but I've never, I've met one of them in person, but I haven't met the other three. And it's just like, I'm so excited to meet them in person and like hug them and like, you know, talk to them and run with them. And so it's just, I don't even know. There's no words to describe it. It's just all good, fuzzy, warm feelings. And like, um, to me personally, like I obviously am part of the LGBTQ community. And like, for me, just creating that safe space and especially through running to, you know, find a place for myself and others within the sport that I love, like, that's what it means to me. It's like, you know, it's, it just, there's no words. I feel like, there's no words. And it's it's really just so beautiful, the community, as you articulated so well, that you've built through this and the community that you've cultivated through the way that you communicate on social media. On social media, we have been able to follow along as you've gone through so much change also during this time. Last spring, you came out as transgender, non-binary. You also moved to Flagstaff. For so many people, change can be really, really difficult. And it seems to be something that at least on the surface, you're making it seem like you are okay with. Is that true? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, change no matter what is hard. Like even if it's good change, right? You're like, you have to adjust and and your body and your mind and heart's like what's going on. But yeah, I think I've just kind of with every decision I made throughout my career, I kind of just go with my gut. And like, I think my gut was just pulling me to the mountains. Like, um, and then, yeah, of course, with like coming out, it was like, I'm ready for this. I finally have you know, the proper language to accurately articulate what I've been experiencing with my gender my whole life. And so I was like, okay, I'm ready. Um, and yeah, I think I just kind of go with my gut and, and make changes. Like in college, I transferred schools after two years. And like, um, yeah, I'm definitely not someone that shies away from change, I guess. <laughs> not someone who shies away from change. <laughs> and you mentioned even you yourself having to get to a place where you felt as though you have the language to express how you feel what's going on. I know there has been some conversation and you even commented on it recently on your social navigating other people also kind of having to go through the motions and understand how to speak correctly using your correct pronouns. Talk a little bit about what that process has been like for you, because I know at times towing at the starting line, when someone's saying, all right, ladies, are you ready to go? It definitely doesn't feel super homey. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not affirming. Um, yeah. It's, it's so funny. I mean, every race it's like, okay, ladies, listen up ladies, like mm -hmm. ladies on your mark. And it's just like, why are officials obsessed with that word? <laughs> Um, it, it's like runners, like it's such a quick fix too, um, or like athletes, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it really does come back to like the language we use and like just changing our words can help dramatically in making someone feel safe and affirmed in their gender. And like, that's been something that I myself have had to like learn and unlearn. Um, and so I do feel like I have kind of a, a great deal of empathy for those still 
slipping up and saying, you know, defaulting to she, her instead of they, them. So, um, yeah, I do have, because it's something I had to learn too, right? Like I had to unlearn everything I've ever learned about gender and like, um, you know, really dive deep into what it means to be gender fluid. Like I, the more I learn and like learn about myself and grow, it's like, I think that there's as many genders as there are people on earth. You know, I think it's such a fluid thing. And like just these two boxes of like male and female feel so like limiting and constricted. And like, um, yeah, so I think right now I'm kind of just in a space where where I'm learning and I want to share my learning with others. Um, And yeah, and then also, you know, have empathy for when people mess up, but like also kind of call them out and be like, it's important that we get this right. It's important that we make space for people and, you know, that we try. Even owning up and saying that you went through a period where you had to kind of better understand it as well, that takes vulnerability. That takes you coming from a place of understanding that maybe others don't approach it with. So even coming from that lens, I think is really respectable. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's like, I think it's also when it comes to like understanding something versus like having compassion or empathy for it. It's like, I think people, if they don't understand it, they're like, I don't know. They're like, I don't get it. And it's like, you don't actually need to have comprehension for something to have compassion for it. Right. Like if someone's telling you like, Hey, I know like my birth name is Dominique, for example, but I've never gone by Dominique. I've always been Nikki, but like who picked Nikki? (laughs) I don't know. Well, more question is who picked Dominique? If you were just, (laughs) um, I think it was my dad, but, um, yeah, my dad got to name me, but, um, I don't know. It's kind of like, Hey, okay. If I had a substitute teacher, right. It'd be like Dominique Hilt. And I would just raise my hand and be like, I go by Nikki. And then it was like, okay. And then that was it. And it's kind of like the same thing now. It's like she, her, it's like, actually, um, I want to use they, them. Like those are my new pronouns and, and it should be like, oh, okay, cool. You know, not like, I don't understand why you want to be called that, or I don't understand why you want to be called Nikki. Your name's Dominique. It's like, no, it's like people can change and like ask to be called something that they feel affirmed in, you know? Yeah. I, what a, that's a really helpful and great <laughs> illustrative example, I would say. Yeah. I love it's like you wouldn't ask me why. You'd just be like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or you wouldn't be like, oh, you don't you look like a Rebecca or something. It's like okay. <laughs> that's not my name. <laughs> that's not it. That's not it. Okay. Well, let's wind it back a little bit here to give people that might be listening to this right now a little bit more understanding of your journey to get to this point. So you have been running for quite some time, but your love for running actually started on sand. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Santa Cruz, California. So it's like a small, um, you know, central coast town. And uh, there's this program called Junior Guards um, where a bunch of beaches in California, basically, basically every beach, like in the summer has a, has a junior guard program. And so, um, I did guards, like you could, the first year you can do it is when you're six years old. And my first year I was seven and yeah, it's, it's where I fell in love with running, but, um, it also definitely really ties into my gender identity journey. So I have an older sister, uh, Michaela, shout out. She's the best. Um, she's (laughs) two years older than me. And so, when I was, I was like, 
what, five, Mikhail was seven. She was doing guards. And I was like, okay, the next year, like, I'll be six. Like, I'll be able to do it. Um, but I didn't want to wear when I was six and I could finally do guards. I didn't want to wear the girl's bathing suit. And that's like, that's all I saw on the beach. Right. I saw like little girls wearing one pieces and two pieces. And then like the boys wearing board shorts. And I was like, I don't want to wear that, but I really want to do this. And so like, I didn't, I sat out that summer because it was more important to me to feel like myself than like to do something in like literally just like clothing, right? That I didn't want to wear. And so the next year, I remember we were in the O'Neill surf shop, like picking out um, the red bathing suit. And there's like the boy section, girl section. And I'm with my mom and sister. And I'm like, I see these like board shorts and like a rash guard, which is basically just a t-shirt that is waterproof that you can wear. Um, And I was like, mom, if I wear like these board shorts and rash guards, like, can I do guards too? And she was like, of course. And so like that summer, seven-year-old Nikki just like walked on the beach and like um, in my rash guard and shorts and like short hair, baseball cap, and just like fell in love with running, you know, um, playing, played in the ocean on the sand with like all my best friends. And yeah, I guess that's where my running journey started. And also it was like, I didn't see a space for myself. So I made one, you know, and I feel mm-hmm. like that has kind of been a theme for mine for the past year of like, I don't really see anyone that looks like me in track and field or like, um, I don't see anyone using they, them pronouns, but like, I'm just going to do it because like, I know that that's me. And like, um, yeah. (laughs) I feel like this has been a theme in different instances lately. in a lot of the conversations that I've been having, it's like in order to see them, sometimes you have to be them. And so you may not have had these individuals to look to in the sport of track and field coming up just yet. But now younger athletes are going to see you and envision that they too could toe the line despite maybe themselves being fluid with their gender. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that's what definitely motivates me to, to keep going of like, and, and that's the power of representation too. Like, um, you know, there's so many, I think it's something like, 20% of Gen Z identifies as something other than straight. And it's not because all of a sudden there's this gay gene that Gen Z has. It's like, no, there's, there's representation now and people can see themselves um, represented in, in, in all aspects. And yeah, no, it's, it's definitely something that's really important to me. It's interesting also that you mentioned not quite feeling comfortable with the, outfit or the bathing suit situation. Can we apply that to running uniforms and how maybe you've had to think about that or reshape your views on that over time? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, it's, it's very, so I obviously went through the NCAA and then now I'm a professional runner. And what I hate the most about it is like what, like in college we got, um, there was not, there wasn't options. It was like, okay, buns and like, this singlet and it was like okay can we get split shorts can we get like other things you know and then I think finally like um we did or like we did have that option but I know like other schools out there like I've gotten messages from people that are like my my school only like makes me wear buns and like that's not comfortable for me and like I'm like we need to change that because like the so much of track and field and like sport in general is about how your confidence and your mentality and like you know if you're if you're feeling powerful like you're gonna perform well and like so much of that comes back to like 
clothing and like what you feel comfortable in. And um, yeah, I think I love having options and I love like, okay, some days I want to wear a crop top and buds, but like other days I want to wear a loose thing and split shorts. Some days I want to wear like the biker shorts, you know, it's like, I love having, because my gender is so fluid, I, I want and need like my closet to be fluid in that way as well. When did you come to an understanding that this was going to be something that you were going to share with your firstly immediate circle and then broader than that? Yeah, it was, it was honestly like 2020, like, um, I think the, you know, my running was stopped, like so many other things, like, you know, the season got canceled and I feel like I had the time and space and energy to like honor my gender identity in ways I hadn't before. And honestly, it was like through TikTok. I, I got a TikTok like uh, at the beginning of the pandemic and like it, the For You page like really says For You, right? I was getting all these like um, trans like um, creators and like non-binary. And I, that's where I was like, oh, this is, that's where I discovered the language. Like, it's so crazy that just this like social media platform was where I kind of, you know, first heard it. And then I did my own research and I was like, that's me. Like, oh my gosh, this is me. And, um, yeah, I mean, my girlfriend, Emma Gee is like incredible and we were getting to know each other that summer of 2020. And, and like, she, if anyone that knows Emma, like she just asks questions and she asks like really good questions. And she's like, like very early on was just like, so what's your gender? Like, what's your journey with that? And like, we just kind of went there, like, and we got deep and like, it was just really easy for me to open up about it and talk about it. And then after talking with her, it was like, okay, I want to do that again, but with like my friends and my family. And so I did. And then once I felt safe enough with them, I was like, okay, I'm ready to come out because no matter what happens, I have my people and they have my back. And so I, I, anyone that's, you know, queer, I think can, can attest that it's, that it's like this journey and it's not just this one, you come out one day and then it, that it's over. Right. It's like a continuous thing. And like, for me, that was kind of like my process with it. Two things to double click on. The first thing is I love how on this journey of exploration, you took small hurdles to get to the place where you are ready to chat about it on a big scale. That really demonstrates the importance of really feeling confident in where you are and how you feel before you use something that's going on in your life to maybe help somebody else. Because if you don't feel at peace or cool or ready to fully dive into it and answer questions and that makes you feel frazzled, then sharing it isn't going to help you, not until you're truly on that page. So I really love how you exemplified what your journey looked like because I think that's a really important point. Yeah, definitely. And then the the second thing really that I have a question about then is you came out in 2016. Talk to me about the difference between coming out in 2016 and announcing where you were with your gender later on. Yeah, I think I kind of publicly came out 2016. Yeah. And it was definitely scary. Like I was going to school in Arkansas, you know, I'm from California. Like it was uh, you know, I, I had a girlfriend and I wanted to like post about her and like, like all my, you know, straight teammates were posting about their partners. I was like, I want to do this too. And it was just like, I was kind of re- like, we talked about, I was ready. So I did it. And like, it was, it was like incredible the weight that was lifted off of me. Like, um, you know, I told my parents and they were like, so supportive. And they were also like, um, duh, we've known, <laughs> 
<laughs> and then I like told, you know, teammates obviously knew and like, it was just really cool to have that support. And I think it's because I wasn't like expecting it ever since then. I was like, I want to keep coming out. Like, this is incredible. Like <laughs> having those vulnerable conversations with, with people, like it allowed me to be vulnerable with them and then them to be vulnerable with me back. I think it just created such strong connections to um, people in my life. And um, yeah, I really wasn't getting like pushback from it. And so yeah, that made me happy, right? Like I, yeah, <laughs> it was this really authentic thing that I was sharing. And then uh, I was getting like support from it. And then, you know, my running also took off. And I don't think that was a coincidence, right? Like, it felt like this weight was lifted, and I could finally like be myself. And so I think that I was kind of thinking the same thing when I was going to come out about my gender identity. I was like, oh, it's going to be the same thing. Like, I'm going to get all this support. Like, I'm going to be like light as a feather on the track. Like, let's do this. And um, I think if we look at just politically where our country was in 2016 versus like now, oh, yeah. it's it's in, in those two things, right? Like sexuality and trans being like gender identity. It's so, so crazy. Like, that we were almost more progressive back then. Like I remember 20, what was it 2015 gay marriage got legalized? And like, um, yeah. So when I came out in 2016, it was like, yeah, like that's awesome. Um, and then if you look at in, I came out in March of 2021 and then like January of 2021 is when it like all the anti-trans bills started. And it was just kind of this fear amongst like a bunch of states and politicians that it was like trans people are going to take over and like, ruin our you know society that we've built and like so when I came out I think there was like people saw the word transgender and there was just like fear and they were like upset about it and then especially the fact that I'm an athlete they're like no 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 and it was very jarring I would say the response um because I mean th there was a ton of like support and that was incredible too but I think I just wasn't prepared for like the pushback um, that came. I was like, oh, whoa, like, we're not ready for this. <laughs> like, um, Yeah, so very different coming out stories. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about what some of that pushback was like? Um, yeah, it was definitely like confusing, because I think like, and I also really tried not to look at it. But it was just mm. when you're getting tagged in things, you, you know, you're like, what is this? And you read it, and you're like, ah, I didn't mean to read that. But it was um, like things were like, uh, oh, well, that's not fair. Like Nikki's going to be on testosterone now. And it's like, when did I say that? Like, <laughs> Or it's like, right. I think there was an article that came out or they talked about on the broadcast at the Olympic trials, like Nikki Hiltz, transgender. And people literally thought that I was like, um, they saw me, they saw the word transgender, they saw Nikki and they saw like competing in the women's 1500 and they thought I was like a trans woman. And they were like, you're a man, like, you know, just like all oh, the terrible backlash that like trans women have to face. I was like, oh, whoa, like, I'm not I'm not a trans woman. Like, it's it was just confusing. because I was like, people are taking see this word or see this whatever, and they're applying something to it that's like not accurate. And so I felt like I it, there was kind of this weight on me to be okay, I need to explain this. I need to over explain myself. I need to be like, I literally, I'm just myself. I'm just asking to be called, referred to as they, them, like not she, her, you know? And it felt kind of exhausting to like, kind of have that pressure on to, you know, be the one to educate everyone around me. And it, it was definitely like, 
heavy. Like it was the opposite of, of what I was expecting. Like I felt like I was like, there was this weight on me. Um, Do you still feel that weight on you? Yeah, it definitely like comes and goes. I think, you know, being a year now out is I like, I feel like I'm in such a better place. Like I've, you know, I've had tools to like deal with things. Like I've meditated a lot that it's like, um, it's just a feeling like it's going to pass. And like, I've also reframed it as like, what an opportunity to ed- educate people or, or like we were talking about, like what an opportunity to be that representation for, um, you know, a little trans kid growing up who likes to watch track. Like I've definitely had to reframe things and do a lot of work to like undo the, the anxiousness that happens when that, but like, yeah, I think, I think it's just a journey. And I, I, I also am like, I'm so happy that I'm out, you know, it's like, I can't imagine still being in the closet about this. Like, even though the yes, people get my pronouns wrong or people are ignorant or like, don't understand. It's like, I'm actually so much happier, like for the people that do get it right. And like, I can be myself in front of like my teammates, my coach, my girlfriend, my family. Like it's like, that's what's worth it to me every time. taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsors. These two specifically, my summer must-haves, starting with Element. Element, for those of you who are new to the show or maybe just haven't heard about it before, is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't, which means a lot of salt and no sugar. Since I started using Element about two years ago, I feel so much better when I am out for my long bike rides, when it comes to my hydration, to even just going about my regular workday. And that's because it is so, so important that we make sure to pay attention to what's going on with our electrolytes. Especially when you sweat, the primary electrolyte that is lost is sodium and athletes can lose up to seven grams per day. When sodium isn't replaced, it is then common to experience muscle cramps and fatigue, and we don't have time for that. Element can help you prevent those annoying headaches, also muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness, and other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiency. Essentially, it is important period. I am big on that grapefruit flavor, but they have so many different ones for every taste. And the best part is you can get yourself a sample pack for free with any order to check them all out. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share element with a salty friend. Head on over to drinkelement.com slash hurdle. That's drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get yours today. Again, that is D-R-I-N-K lmnt.com slash hurdle to get your free sample pack today. Also, I told you my summer staples, which means you know the next brand that I'm going to talk to you about is Gooder. Gooder makes my go-to running sunglasses. Honestly, not just for running though, for every day. They are super lightweight. They are no bounce. They are polarized. I swear, I put my Gooders through hell and back and they still look just as good as the day that I got them. I have a stash of my favorite style, the Operation Blackout. It's like a sleek aviator, but they have a style for every single person. I'm talking bright styles, neon styles, different shapes, different sizes, whatever you want in a sunglass frame, they have it for you. Now, of course, 
The best part of this whole thing that I haven't said yet, they are also really affordable. Their styles start at just $25 and I have a deal for you to make it even better. Get 15% off your Gooder order today by heading on over to gooder.com. That's G-O-O-D-R.com slash hurdle and using code hurdle15 at checkout. Again, that's gooder.com slash hurdle. Use code hurdle15 at checkout for 15% off a pair today. This is an important conversation. Obviously, we've spent a little chunk of time talking about gender and coming out and your story thus far. I recently had Scout Bassett on the podcast. And as you know, she is a Paralympic athlete. And I asked Scout when we started speaking, I said, does it bother you that this is one of the first things that people want to talk to you about? And so I'll pose that to question to you right now. Does it bother you that a lot of times when you speak to someone, whether it's me on a podcast or maybe even someone you walk by on the street, they want to talk to you about coming out and your gender identity? Oh, that's a good question. I I don't know if bother is the right word, but it's definitely like I have to prepare for it. And like, I know, like, I know that my competitors don't, you know, or like when I, right when I finish a race, like I know the media, like indoors, you know, I was wearing protect trans kids um, logo. And I was just like, uh, like, I know that when I cross the line, my interview is not going to be about how I did. It's going to be about like what I'm wearing and what I stand for and who I am, which mm. it's kind of cool to me. Like, I think I part, yes, part of me could be like, woe is me, but like, I, I lean into it. You know, I like that. I, I definitely like, yeah, have leaned into my, what makes me different. And I love myself and I love talking about it to anyone because also the more I get to talk about it, people might be listening and learning things that they've never thought about before or like, but I I think what would bother me is if, is if they just like stopped there, you know, if they didn't try to get to know me as an athlete or person. Right. And it was just like, tell me about your advocacy or, you know, let's talk about gender. But it always like in podcasts, like we always, you know, I'm a whole person and I feel like we always cover it. So yeah, yeah, that's a great question though. Oh, well, thank you, Nikki. (laughs) You mentioned the frustration maybe that came hand in hand with feeling that you became, that's what this became about for you in 2021 after coming out. And Obviously, 2021, also a year for the Olympics. Let's talk a little bit about how that frustration, how you navigated that frustration after showing up on the track and competing. What was that like for you? Oh, it was hard. (laughs) It was really hard. I think I'm not someone, I've never been an athlete who can like um, kind of hide what's going on off of the track, like whatever is happening in my life off of the track, it's always going to translate onto it. And like, that can be my greatest gift and superpower of like, I'm an incredible place in my life. And I feel really supported and affirmed and happy. And like, I'm going to run insanely well because of this. And then the other way, it's like, oh, I have all this fear. I'm uncertain. People hate me. Like, boom, of course, like as soon as it gets hard, that's going to like hit you. So um, yeah, it was very much hard to kind of go through that be in that space in life and then also try to perform um but yeah like I've said I've been like working through it I feel like I'm in such a better place now and like 
it it kind of sucks that like I that had to happen in, in such an important year and season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I also have always been an athlete that like learns from my mistakes. Or I don't even know if it's a mistake, but like we're always learning and growing and like figuring out ways to be better. Um, so yeah, but it was it was last year was was rough. <laughs> what did you do to to recover from the brunt of? this overwhelm and not getting the performance that you had hoped for? Um, I've definitely like re like, I feel like I keep saying reframe, but like, it's such a good word of like, I'm reframing. Like I kind of went back to like my roots of like, okay, I started this sport because I loved it and it was so fun for me. And so I'm just going to bring that attitude every day to like practice. Like, this, I'm not going to be so outcome oriented. I'm going to be like daily oriented. I'm like, am I having fun? Like, you know, and, um, I think that's like kind of been my attitude 2022 and it's just been awesome. Like, I feel like when, before the race even starts, I've already won, right? Like I live in the mountains, a beautiful place. Like I get to go to practice every day and run with like my best friends. I have an incredible dog and girlfriend and like, and I, I get to go run and I'm at work, you know, like I've already won. <laughs> um, yeah. I also hear in what you're saying, this lesson that my life coach talks to me about all the time, which is asking yourself, why is something happening this way for me? Even when it's not how I wished it would happen. And sometimes it takes me a minute to you know, accept why it's happening this way for me. (laughs) Things are happening for you in a way that sometimes you just kind of have to like throw your hands up in the air and be like, well, this is how it is now. Yeah. And also like removing the like, it, it might not even be about you, right? Like if you go to get coffee and they're like out of coffee, you know, you could so easily be like, oh, my day, like this ruined my day or my, like, woe is me. But it's like, actually, that has nothing to do with you there. That's just like the supply chain of this coffee. Like, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, don't make it about you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the damn coffee supply chain. Fair, fair. So now we started this podcast talking a lot about change and you are no stranger to it. You have a new change this episode coming out after you make a big announcement. Do you want to talk about what that announcement might be? Yes. I'm so, so excited. I can't believe we haven't talked about it yet. Here we are. I know. We've been covering a lot of ground here. (laughs) Yes. I'm so excited to like announce and like finally be official as like Lululemon's, um, yeah, most recent global ambassador. It's, it's so exciting. It's like the dream brand, you know? And I, yeah, I can't believe like, I, I honestly like couldn't believe it when it was like, when I had my first Zoom call with them, I was like, wait, is this really happening? Like, <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's that's the tea. That's the that's the news. <laughs> the news. Well, I do have to tell you that I own a track club t-shirt. Aw, yay. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about where you are now versus where you were when you were making that t-shirt and the story of the t-shirt? Yeah, yeah, totally. So my contract um, was up at the end of 2021. And going into like a new year, I had, um, yeah, I just had opportunity to make a change. And I was like, I want to do that. (laughs) Um, But there was also 
obviously like contracts, it's not like January 1st, here's a contract. And like, there you go. It's, it's, you know, it's a lot of negotiating. It's a lot of like brands are figuring out their budget or whatever, for whatever reason, it's, it's not a very timely thing sometimes. And so I was like, okay, I'm in limbo right now. And I think I'm going to be in limbo for a while. And so I, you know, I'm like, I, it was, it was definitely scary kind of like, being like, I don't have an income, right? <laughs> like I don't have a sponsor anymore. Like, how am I going to do this? And so I've always wanted to like have my own merch and like sponsorships don't like allow that, or at least my last one didn't. So I was like, oh my gosh, now I can. And so I was like, I'm going to sell these shirts and I don't know, maybe like my mom will buy one and like my grandma, like I was like, maybe I'll sell two, like who knows? And I just kind of threw it up on my story, like, hey, I'm unsponsored. If you want to help like a queer athlete out, like while they navigate this time, like um, buy a Pratt Club shirt. And it just kind of like blew up. And it was just so awesome. I felt like I was kind of in a dark place of like, I honestly kind of want to quit this sport. Like, you know, part of me was like, no one's making you do this. You don't have to do this anymore. And like, that was honestly like tempting at times. But I think something deep inside me was like, no, people care about you and you also care about this, you know, like kind of pushing back on that doubt. And so that selling those shirts, like I, I just like resurrected my like hope in this sport. And like, you know, all these people that were like willing to support me when like no brand could or would, it was like incredible. And like, I will always like, if every time I see a track club shirt, I'll just be like, so happy because I'm like, okay, you were my sponsor for like six months. Like you supported me. You, you wanted me to keep going. And like, um, yeah, it was just incredible. I'm so, so grateful for everyone that's, that's bought a shirt. <laughs> what I love about this story is you opening up about how you really felt completely down and out, so down and out that you debated to completely leave something that had at one point given you so much joy. And I think that that is a story in one way or another that a lot of people listening to this right now can really, really relate to. So what did you lean into or what did you do when you were in the thick of that hurdle moment of sorts to realign yourself? I mean, aside from the fact that you had eventually all these great people supporting you, that's not the case all the time. So how were you kind of giving back to you to hopefully get through that rut? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, I was like, when I think about brands and like the um, kind of space I was in of like, okay, if I have to work with a brand that is so determined on like your performances and like, if you mm. don't make the team, you're reduced or like dropped or what, you know, like, I don't want to do this. Like, that's not why I signed up to do this. Like I, and so that like walking away from re-signing with like a brand like that was scary because it was like, I, I don't know, like, it just doesn't feel, I want to do this, but I don't want to do it that way, you know? And so I was really holding on hope that there would be a brand out there that saw my value on the track and off of the track. And like, I was like, I think that there's one out there, you know, and like the people in my life, like uh, my coach, Mac Fleet at the time was like, there definitely is one like, you know, and like um, my girlfriend was like, yes, like, you know, just like 
it might be a little, you might have to be a little patient, but like, I think it's going to happen. And like, so I think I would say leaning into the people, like, and then also holding on to that hope of like, I know that there's a brand out there that, that values the same things I do. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think it was just kind of really leaning into hope. And then, um, I was also still running, like running has always been my escape and safe space, even if like maybe the track and field industry sometimes doesn't feel safe or Mm -hmm. like just simply going on a run though will always like recenter me and ground me. And so, you know, I never like stopped running. Like I continued to train and like, I think it was just kind of thoughts of doubts of like, wow, I really could quit. You know, no one's holding me to this anymore. Um, but yeah, I think also like it really, I was like, no one is making me do this, but I still want to do this. So like, that's a good sign. (laughs) That's a good sign. I'm going to pivot a little bit. And this question might be a little controversial, but I'm actually really interested in your feedback on it. You know, Lululemon included, a lot of brands making and designing sneakers specifically built around a woman's foot right now. How does that make you feel? Like, what do you, because obviously anatomically it makes sense, but I'm just kind of curious about how you feel about the fact that like this kind of category is something that's like really buzzy in tech at the moment. No, I think it's, I think it's incredible. Like, I think that I'm never going to, as someone who's gender fluid and like doesn't identify as a woman, I'm still never, I always feel, I guess, really affirmed in spaces that are centered around inclusivity. And like, that was the whole goal around making a shoe for a woman's foot, right? It was like, this doesn't happen, right? All of our sizing is based on men's products. Like, right. we're going to make a woman's shoe first and then the men's will come later. Like, that's <laughs> and, like they're going to have to figure out, right? We're always trying to figure out, okay, well, what size am I in a men's? And it's like, a man has never had to do that. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. Um, and so I think that, it's a great thing. And as someone who has a woman's foot, I'm like, this is sick. Um, and, uh, <laughs> While we're on the topic of Lululemon gear, you have to let us know what your favorites are at the moment. Oh my gosh. The new like sense knit stuff is incredible. Like I, I think product for me is always something that like, I don't, I want it to be like so comfortable. They don't want to like, like even think about it. And like, um, right. Like I don't even want to notice it's there. Like and I feel like the sense of the stuff is, is like that. It's like, it's tight. Like it feels good. Like it's, it's incredible. I think I'm, I also love like the fact back to like gender fluidity. There's so many, so much option. I can wear whatever I want. And like, I have, it's not like I just get sent a box and it's like, here's the girl shipment, wear it. It's like, Nikki, you get to pick what you want to wear. And I'm like, hell yeah. And so I think, um, I love all their like tights and half tights. Like anyone who's ever owned Lululemon, like they've owned tights, you know? And like, (laughs) I feel like the short, like the half tights that I wear and the the quarter tights and like, yeah, big fan. (laughs) What are you, aside from this new partnership, ambassadorship with Lululemon, what are you excited about right now? Oh gosh. Um, I'm excited to run at USA's next week. And I'm especially excited because like we were talking about, I'm someone who kind of takes what's happening in my life off of the track and it translates onto it. And I think just right now I'm in such a like happy, good place. Like we just opened up Pride 5K registration. Like I'm just announcing that I'm with the coolest brand ever. Like it's just, (laughs) I think I'm just excited to keep riding that wave of like good momentum and vibes. And then 
I, I get to race, which I, you know, I love racing. Like that's, I, training is fine and fun and workouts are cool or whatever, but like I live to like, I live for that last 200 meters of a 1500. So I'm excited just to race at USA's for sure. What would you say over the last, let's say like six, eight months navigating that kind of frustration that went hand in hand with not having a sponsor, wondering if you wanted to continue was perhaps some of the best advice that you received to get you through that difficult time? I don't know if it was advice, but like, I, I think I get asked like, oh, what would you tell younger Nikki or, you know, um, and I think it was kind of like that younger Nikki, like, okay, would younger Nikki be like proud of you? Or like, would they, you know, I don't know. I feel like I always kind of thought back to them and like, they, they just had so much courage to just be like, yeah, I'm going to strut on the beach and like wear this. And like, I'm going to show y'all how like I can swim and run. And like, I feel like I've been trying to get back to that, like, little Nikki and that like confidence that like they exuded. And like, so I think, um, you know, I like, I was never going to walk away from the sport because I knew like deep down, like little Nikki would never let me know. <laughs> like, this is something like, I think I heard it. It's like, stop letting insignificant people have significant impact on your life. It's just like, this is a dream that you've had, like to be a professional writer, to make world and Olympic teams. Like, why are you letting an insignificant person like get to you. And like, I think that was like a quote that really, I, that I heard that I was like, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> you mentioned world champs, obviously you a world championships finalist yourself. Can we talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you? Yeah, no, that was incredible. I mean, um, 2019, it was just like going into USA's. I was like, I think I could do it. You know, uh, it's never, it's never certain there's, you know, the U S is so deep right now. And I, I, it's so fun to be a part of it, like this time in track and field, but yeah, it, I just believed in myself and then I had a good race and I ended up being top three. And then, um, yeah, when I was there, I was like, my goal, I'm here. There's three rounds. I was like, well, my goal is to make the final. I'm not here just to be here, you know? And so I think that was really cool to achieve not only achieve the goal of making the world team, but then also making the world final. Yeah, it was crazy. It was in Doha. Like, I don't think I would ever pick to vacation there. Like, it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm only here because of track and field. And that was a really cool thing of like, I get to go places that, yeah, I don't know, like the Middle East that I would never go to, but like track and field brought me here. And like, um, it was really cool being here, you know, just to represent Team USA. And like, I think it was really cool to be like, yeah, I'm a super queer person representing the U.S. Like it's it track and field is so cool because there's like so many different sized people and like so many different ethnicities and like heights. And like, you know, it, it's just I feel like it's like a melting pot of the U.S., uh, like the track and field team specifically. And so it was really cool to kind of represent the LGBTQ community on that team as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm going to world championships myself this year, not as an athlete. Let's just make sure that we put that out there, but I'm going out there this year to do some work. And I wouldn't mind if it had happened to be, I don't know, like somewhere amazing and exotic, but Eugene will do. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Eugene will do. I'll show up. I don't know though. It, I would say that Eugene might be a little bit better for me than Doha. Yeah. It was hot. 
question for you. Right now, someone goes to your Instagram page. They see someone who is so strong, a person that's a professional track and field athlete with more than 35,000 followers. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? Gosh, I mean, I see someone who is, I think, constantly like working on themselves. I love personality tests or like I diving deep into what makes people people and like I feel like I'm I don't know I feel like I'm just kind of someone that's always like learning and growing and like I can always look at myself and like take confidence in that that I'm like I'm always gonna look back on myself in two years and be like oh wow I've grown a lot from since then yeah I also feel like I'm cute (laughs) I'm like oh that person's cute (laughs) (laughs) you're like I'm not sitting here fishing for compliments but also aren't I cute <laughs> okay, okay. The people also want to know how do you recover? What's your recovery routine look like? I know like training can be like an exciting thing to talk about, but maybe more relatable is what you do when you're off the track. So run us through the motions. What do you prioritize? What do you do? I'm definitely like a big sleeper. I love naps. I have a dog, a scout. I love like taking her on walks. I don't know if that's like recovery, but like. I guess that's just something I do when I'm not running. But yeah, I Norma Tech, big, I like ice, you know, when I have a little sore or something. But yeah, honestly, I, I just recently, it's been um, planning the Pride 5K with Emma and like both working together on something that we're both just so passionate about, which is like creating safe spaces for queer people. And like, that's been so fun to like do this this year's project with her. And it's like, we have no business putting on an in-person race. Like I'm a professional runner and she's like a BYU ex Mormon who like leads into advocacy too. It's like, what, like, who are we? But we're just figuring it out together. And like, it's so fun. Like, you know, we're like emailing the police and like um, talking to like other race directors or like, you, you know, trying to find brands who, who want to sponsor it. And like, it's just been a really fun project to like figure out together. And like, um, you know, this is something we want to step into, you know, once our careers are over and like do really full time. So it's definitely a fun way to like recover, I guess, mentally from like, you can't all the time be like visualizing your race or like, you know, running, like it's exhausting and like, you wouldn't be a good runner or at least I wouldn't if I didn't have balance. So yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you what the most difficult part of putting together an in-person race would be. My guess would be the permitting and that note you said about the police, but am I wrong? Yeah, I think it's the logistic stuff for sure. Um, But that's the other thing. The Flagstaff community has been, you know, we moved here in March, like three months ago, and they've just been so excited and like willing to help. Like, yeah, we we were talking to like, we have to have a kind of an EMT person on site. And so we were talking to like the hospital the other day and they were like, oh, what's this for? And we're like, oh, we're raising money for the Trevor Project. And like, oh, that's so awesome. Like, well, we can come for free. And we're like, what? Like, you know, just like really awesome. And like, Run Flagstaff is the local, um, you know, running store here. And they were, were like, hey, we asked for their timing system and they're, you know, going to help us out with that. And then they're also, they were like, oh, we also have a course for you. And we're like, what? Like, so it's definitely been like incredible. The 
kind of willingness of this community to help. So they definitely make it easy. But yeah, I would say it's definitely like the permits and cops and like figuring out. But Emma does all that stuff. So <laughs> I do You're the like, I'm just the brains and good looks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Of course not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Well, I'm so, so happy that we were able to connect today. And like I said earlier, uh, a good chunk of our conversation talking about coming out, not just once, but twice for you now, I think it would be so helpful if you have any advice or words of wisdom that you would offer to someone who may be going through a similar transition in their life, going through that hurdle moment, what advice would you offer them? Oh, I mean, it's so hard and it's so tricky with, with things like coming out because, you know, so much of it is like, okay, am I safe enough to do this? And like, I think if you're in a position where you, you are safe to come out, like I would tell someone, like start small and like tell someone that you really trust and, and kind of, if you can vet them even of like, so how do you feel about gay people? You know, like, um, just like, or, you know, like someone that you're really close with that, like, well, you know, you you maybe know is going to accept you like that's like just telling one person um, is enough. Right. And like you can then go from there. It doesn't have to be this huge like social media post or like extravagant coming out thing, like just start small and then and then go from there, I think um, would be my advice with it. But I, I mean, I also think for me, I can only speak to like me and my experience, but for me, I had so much built up anticipation that it was going to be like the worst thing ever if I told someone I was gay. And it was like, it wasn't that at all. So, you know, kind of try to go in with like, not, I guess, preconceived ideas of what's going to happen because like people can surprise you. People can surprise you. I love it. I'm so grateful that we were able again to connect today. Nikki, how do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you? Give us your information. Yeah. Um, follow me at Nikki Hiltz. I'm on uh, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Um, and then, yeah, Pride 5K on Instagram to get, you know, all the latest uh, updates. I hope registration hasn't crashed yet. <laughs> Wait, do you want to do you want to peep it? No, it's fine. I'll do it. It's the day of like, no, I don't want to look at it. Yeah, I don't want to no. know. <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you so much. I'm over at Emily Avati at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. Bye.